everyone. Welcome to the Nitty Gritty of Real Estate podcast. Thanks for joining us today for part two of our home inspection series. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. We are back with Celia Webb from Always Faithful Home Inspections, and we are going to talk about what happens after the inspection. Thanks for joining us again, Celia. Thank you, Jill. I love being invited. Let's get started. Last time you talked to us about all the things you look at at the home inspection, um, the process to become a licensed inspector. So now let's talk about once you're done going through the house, what happens from there? So what could a buyer expect from you during the review of the inspection? So I have my handy dandy iPad and I go through the summary. That's the one that we want to pay attention to because when I send the report, there's three in them. But what they really want is to see what is wrong with the house, not Mm -hmm. what is good. So I have the pictures that I took. Obviously, they didn't go on the roof, so I really do want to make sure that they see those if there were any problems with it. And um, I go through them and I tell them whether it's a big deal or not. Like if I found that the exhaust from the furnace is disconnected, that is a big deal. If I see that one of the ground, uh, the outlets are not it's not grounded. If I see that one of the outlets is not grounded, it's not as big a deal. It's probably just a wire that got disconnected, but it's really not my job to tell them what the problem is, just that there is a problem. Um, and then they can decide from there. There is a list of items, mm-hmm. um, and it really depends on the buyer. Some people are buying a house to live in it with their brand new family. Some people are buying it to flip it, and some others, they just are going to buy it to rent it out. So what the buyer is going to hear from me is just going to be pretty standard about mostly what I will talk about is the safety items, um, minor repairs, things like that. So kind of speaking of safety items, then are you able to quote code? If something is up, everybody talks about, well, this is up to code or that's up to code. Um, Are you allowed to talk about code or how does that work? So it depends on the code. If it is a safety fire hazard code, um, we are able to identify it. For example, if there is bars on the windows and there is not a way to open them, then I will tell you that this is not up to code. Um, If there is GFCIs on the exterior and I trip them and then I'm able to reset them, yes, that's up to code. But I am not an electrician, so if, if an electrician comes in and says, you know, there's more than six outlets that are connected to this GFCI and there's supposed to be only five, don't quote me on this, I'm just putting out numbers, I'm not able to tell you that. Um, so it depends on the code, um, mostly the safety items um, I can tell you about. Okay, so safety code is, is something that you can really talk in depth about. If there is a particular code with plumbing or with electrical or something like that, if they have a specific concern, they really need to contact that licensed professional to, to hear about the code and, and what needs to be done there then. Correct. Okay. So I equate myself to a primary care provider as a doctor. Okay. I'm a general doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not an oncologist. I'm not an OBGYN. I'm not a... Um, optometrist, cardiologist, you know, so you still need an an expert on that um, if there is a problem. Okay. I love that explanation, actually. That's a really good way to explain it. You can go in and get the big picture Mm -hmm. and then, you know, depending on the small details, they need to contact the experts on those particular things. Right. That's a great explanation. Mm -hmm. Um, So during that home inspection, are there limitations that you have or can they expect everything in the home to be looked at? 
So there are some limitations on it. Uh, for example, if there is a gas line that is turned off, like at the furnace mm -hmm. or at the stove or anywhere, I'm not really allowed to open those because I don't know why they turned them off. It may have been a safety item that they left off. And if they want me to inspect it, they are either going to have to call the seller and ask if it's okay to turn it on. And a lot of times I need to get it in writing or uh, somebody else can turn it on, but I'm not allowed to do that. Uh, same with some water um, valves mm -hmm. because it happened at my own house. I have a rental and I went to change the faucet. I It never leaked before. Um, I just wanted to change it. I went to turn off the water underneath mm -hmm. the sink and it leaked for two days. <laughs> it did not stop. And I do not want to be responsible for that. But a lot of times um, agents will request permission and we, we, when we get it in writing, uh, then they can open it. But I cannot be held liable for I that. I was just gonna say, it sounds like that is where your licensed agent comes in. The agent representing the buyer needs to communicate with the seller's agent that this is when home inspections are going to be, you know, and it's in the Arizona contract. Mm -hmm. You need to check other contracts in other states, but it is expected that all utilities are on and mm -hmm. functioning so a full inspection can be done. Exactly. So, yeah, you definitely would need to rely on your the agent representing you to help your um, inspector be able to do a full inspection. Right. Uh, other limitations are, uh, as inspectors, we're only required to have a 17-foot ladder. So if the roof is higher than that, we are not going to be able to get up there. I will make every effort. That mm -hmm. I have my Facebook profile picture shows me on the second-story roof because I put my ladder on the uh, back patio, mm -hmm. and then I brought up my ladder and got onto the second story. If I will do my best, mm -hmm. but if there is no way for me to get up there, then that is a limitation. Right. Um, also, I cannot see behind walls. So although I can see the plumbing that comes out like for the toilet valve or the sinks valve, that's not always the same kind of plumbing used, especially for polybutylene mm -hmm. from the um, 1978 to 1997. Um, mm -hmm. If I cannot, if I don't have an access to the wall, I'm not gonna make a hole in it. Um, right. So well, I'm limited with that. And I was going to say, I know with inspections that you've done uh, for my clients, you know, you make every effort. Mm -hmm. um, if you can get up in the attic, sometimes mm -hmm. you can find things up there. But like you said, like, you know, you can't, you can't change a house that's not theirs. Right. So you have to leave everything as it is mm -hmm. and just work with what's, you know, what you're able to get to. Yes. And a lot of times, you know, when we get in the attic and we still cannot see it because of all the insulation, I'm not going to dig through mm -hmm. insulation. So even if I get up there, I cannot see it. Um, other limitations, um, if I cannot open uh, an electrical panel because there's a tree in front of it, I cannot see um, that. Um, some people have asked me, what kind of insulation is in the walls? Still, I can't make a hole. Or uh, what kind of conductors do we have in the um, receptacles in the walls? Like, I'm not going to take out an outlet and mm -hmm. tell you what kind of wiring there is in there. Even if there's copper in the main panel, I'm not going to open it for the house to see what's in there. Okay, so it sounds like those items, if that's of a particular concern to a person, they, again, would need to reach out to the licensed expert in that area, the trade in that area. Yeah, pretty much it, my inspection is visual, non-invasive. Anything okay. I can access with regular uh, household tools and regular um, uh, buttons, controls, mm -hmm. like the thermostat, I will check, but I, I, I'm, not in, I'm non-invasive in that aspect. 
Okay. No, and even, I mean, not being invasive, as you say, like it's still a very detailed inspection, still very thorough. Thank you. All right. Um, you mentioned in our previous podcast about termites. Um, are all home inspectors licensed to look at t- for termites, to do um, sewer inspections, to do mold inspections? It does, is that also part of being a licensed home inspector or is that something else? So our training includes uh, identifying uh, termite tubes, mm-hmm. um, but it does not certify us to actually find them because there are different types of um, damage um, that we are looking for. So a lot of times we don't see the tubes, but we see the damage on the wood. Um, so that is a different uh, certification. We can certainly tell you, oh, look, these look like uh, a termite tube, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it is a termite tube if they don't have the correct qualifications. So not everybody can do it. And of course, a lot of people can identify the termite tube, but a lot of people, not a lot of people can identify uh, dry wood termites or carpenter bees um, or carpenter ants. So that is uh, extra schooling that we have to go through. Okay. Um, as far as the sewer scope, I am not a certified plumber, but uh, I do have a scope that I can put it down through the drain, and we do use a certified uh, plumber that we send the video to. And this is for information to you. I do have a tracker, and then if I find uh, roots or anything mm-hmm. like a cracked pipe, I'm able to tell you, hey, this is what's going on. And you can see it in the video, um, but again, I cannot give you quotes. I cannot give you how much it's going to cost to fix it or uh, anything like that. Uh, I can only give you that information. Um, that does not require a certification. It's just a video that mm-hmm. you know we stick the camera down the uh, drain and that's what we do and then uh, the mold I did do the certification for mold inspections Mm -hmm. but again not for remediation so what we do with the mold is we learned how to find conditions conducive to mold being in Arizona not a lot of people realize how mold happens Mm -hmm. Um, and everybody's afraid of black mold but uh, I know a lot of people live with black mold and nothing happens to them the reality is if you are not sensitive to it, you can live with that in the in it and nothing will happen to you. But um, the certification includes, you know, how to take samples to remain clean, how to make sure that mm-hmm. um, you have a baseline. So we're able to provide that service and we send it to a professional lab. It's not up to us to tell you what kind it is. We have a professional lab who does that. No, and that's one of the things that I love about Always Faithful is, you know, you can get the general home inspection, but you can also ask um, an add-on termite, sewer, mold, and that way it can all be done in one fell swoop. And the pool. Um, and the pool, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you would, that would be something as you're looking for an inspector, um, trying to see, you know, what services they offer, um, how much of it can they do versus how much has to be, um, you have to call in another another servicer. Yes, a lot of people have uh, switched to us because we offer all of that, especially agents who are so busy. Mm -hmm. They're like, I know you can just do it all and I don't have to, you know, get eight different people in there at the same time. So I don't have to go back the next day or stay three hours later for the termite guy to come. So it's it's very convenient. Yes, it is very convenient. So definitely something, um, especially if you're looking at a state, you know, to look and see if your inspector in that area um, offers any of those other services if they are important to you. Um, okay, so then once you know you've gone over the report, you said you went over the summary. What should somebody expect when they receive the full report from the inspector? What are they getting exactly? So they will get the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I take okay. pictures of everything, um, so that especially for people who are out of town, 
Um, I sometimes uh, have the capability to make a video if there's something super weird, like mm -hmm. some leak that is coming from a weird place. Um, so they will be able to get uh, in the email that I send them, there's a link for the full report, which will include pictures of everything. Uh, it is a little interactive, so they can click, you know, the bedroom one, master bedroom, hall bathroom, uh, and then they can see the pictures of all the components. Um, that's a fun to watch. Uh, that's fun to do. But the second one is also a PDF. Sometimes people like to print these things. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times, depending on the size of the house, it can get up to 150 pages because of all the pictures. I was going to say, I've seen some long ones. Yes, <laughs> yes. But I like to be very thorough, and people... I. I don't mind answering questions, but people are like, well, what about this? Did you check it? So they can see that I did. Um, and they can see the state of the item when I was there because the inspection is for the date and time that I was there. Um, and then, of course, the summary, which is the items that they uh, want to address mm -hmm. and where the agent and them are going to be preparing their binser. Yeah, I was going to say that the summary report is is probably what people, I would guess, look at the most, mm -hmm. or at least first, because mm -hmm. that is, like you said, it's everything that's wrong. Hey, everyone. We want to interrupt this episode to let you know that we are a Keller Williams Southern Arizona franchise. Also, we are licensed realtors practicing equal housing. Who is it exactly that gets the reports? Does everybody in the transaction get the report, or who do you send the the inspection reports too. So according to the code of ethics, only the buyer, mm -hmm. who is the person paying me, uh, gets the report. But because they are working with their agent, uh, a lot of times they want them to get the report. Otherwise, they just have to forward it. Mm -hmm. So the agent gets entered into the system and they get it at the same time, the buyer's agent. Um, other than that, I am not legally or ethically allowed to send it to anybody else. So I have gotten some calls saying, hey, the seller wants the report. Like, mm -hmm. they can forward it to them. You know, once I send the report to the buyer and the buyer's agent, I have no control where that goes. Uh, but they do. And they're like, yes, but the contract says that it needs to be provided to the seller. And I have gotten some fire because I'm like, okay, yes, but that's a contract between the buyer and the seller, not between the seller. I Many times I have no clue who the seller is. And I can get in trouble for doing that. So your role is to provide it to the buyer. Yes. And then from there, so any of sellers listening to us, if you want your inspection report from the house that you currently own, you would need to contact the buyer's agent in order to see if that can be provided to you. And like you said, um, as buyer's agents, that's what we refer to when we're writing our BINZAR, which is our, our request for repairs that need to be done. Um, and oftentimes it is sent with that in order to, you know, reference the points that we're mm -hmm. asking for and make it clear. But again, it's not you who can send it. Your contract is between you and the buyer. Correct. The seller would need to contact the buyer's agent. Correct. Uh, one way to get around that, and it's not unethical, <laughs> is that the buyer sends me an email providing me the information of the seller mm -hmm. um, and giving me written permission to send it to them. And then that's the only time that I'm about to do it. So, you know, you talked about the summary report. Let's say the summary report has like 30 things on it. Does that mean that the buyer needs to run from the house? <laughs> uh, not always. Uh, again, it depends on the buyer. Um, some people, like if one of the items is the roof and it is in really bad shape, 
uh, a lot of people run away from that. But everything is fixable mm -hmm. and really depends on what you want the house for. Um, 30 items, a lot of times those are repetitive. For example, if there is no smoke alarms in four bedrooms, that item is going to come out four times. Mm -hmm. And they are, you know, $10 a piece. So it's not a major thing. Um, there are people who can fix foundations, you know. Mm -hmm. So it just really depends on um, the negotiations that you have. Uh, I have had people walk away from a home because the drywall tape was uneven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Goodness. Different people have different things, I guess, that are important to them. Right. And then I had people who bought homes and went for it when the plumbing wasn't even finished. So it depends on what they want the house to do and what the seller is willing to do. Um, but like I said, everything is fixable. Okay. So it sounds as though once you get that, no matter what's on that summary report, first step is, you know, decide what is important to you. Um, and then beyond that, you know, looking at what are, like we've talked about, the, the large items um, and speaking with you as well as their agent probably to help guide them. Um, and decide what are the most important items, what is what needs to be fixed, or it's an absolute deal breaker for them. And that's where they need to depend on their, again, licensed agent representing them to you know, come up with that list, ask for it to be repaired, and negotiate with the seller's agent in order to get those, those really important repairs taken care of. And of course, like you said, you go through it and you know, it explain to them, this is not a, a big deal. This is, this would cost a lot to repair. You would need a quote for this or, and kind of you can help guide them in that as well. Absolutely. Okay. So let's say, you know, I know you talked about, uh, you check the air conditioning. Let's say that something comes back and the air conditioning isn't functioned right or functioning correctly. Or let's say the water heater, like the water doesn't seem to be getting hot enough. What would be the step there that they should take? They should really contact a person who does uh, HVAC. Uh, I actually had a house uh, a couple weeks ago where the air conditioner did not come on. It was a brand new build. I put the button, I pushed the buttons, I did everything I knew how mm -hmm. to do. Again, non-invasively. Uh, the breaker was on, it was a heat pump. The, neither the cold or the hot come on. So I am able to tell you, hey, this isn't working. But I'm not mm -hmm. able to tell you if it's actually the compressor or if it is the wiring that mm -hmm. goes, uh, that communicates the compressor with the thermostat. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just the thermostat. Um, I am not able to tell you that. Or maybe it's out of Freon because, I don't know, I got shot or something. <laughs> um, I can only tell you that it is a problem, but you need an expert um, telling you why there is that problem. Um, sometimes if the water heater is not working, it could be as simple as, oh, the gas is not on. Mm -hmm. And then what that uh, limits my inspection is that when I'm checking the wet areas, all the sinks and the showers, I'm not able to get hot water. So mm -hmm. I don't know if they are plumbed correctly. You know, the left needs to be the hot and the right needs to be the cold. So that's a limitation. But again, <clears throat> I'm not allowed to turn on the gas. Mm -hmm. um, and even if I did, there wouldn't be enough time for the water to get hot enough for me to check really those test. differences. Okay, so if, if they have concerns, obviously figuring out how that limited you and what you can tell them, and then you know asking you or, again, their agent for recommendations on who else should come out, um, and, again, making sure it's then a licensed person, mm -hmm. which I liked. I still love your explanation. You're the general practitioner. Mm -hmm. At that point, they need to find the expert and the specialist and call them out. Right. Okay. Uh, one of my last questions for you, and I get it a lot, so I'm sure you do too, mm -hmm. inspections versus appraisals. 
Is there a difference? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So my inspection will tell you the state of the house. Mm -hmm. The appraiser will tell you how much it's worth. Okay. And in this market, I know they have been going up so much. I am not able to tell you how much the house is worth or how much it's going to worth after you fix it or how much you should have, you know, put an offer on. I can only tell you the state of the house. Okay. So we depend on you to tell us, you know, kind of the overall health of the house. How Mm -hmm. is everything working? Is it functioning correctly? They can look to their agent to get a value, an estimated value of the house. Mm -hmm. The appraiser is going to be the person called out by the bank to give a, um, like a third party opinion on the pricing of the house, see how it compares to other homes. Mm -hmm. You have absolutely nothing to do with the value of the house. You have to do with how the house works and, you know, is it going to be, are all the important items in there functioning, working correctly, um, anything that needs to be taken care of and repaired. That's your role. Correct. And I have come across uh, some houses that are listed as four bedrooms, for Mm -hmm. example, but I know in my training that a bedroom needs to have a closet. Mm -hmm. And this bedroom doesn't have a closet and it doesn't have a window. I cannot actually consider it a bedroom. Okay. So the appraiser can come in and say, this is not gonna be appraised at four bedrooms, it's gonna be appraised at three bedrooms. So in those aspects, uh, we can be on the same page, Mm -hmm. but I still cannot tell you the worth of it. How that changes the value of the house or anything like that. All right. The last thing I want to ask you is <laughs> probably what everybody wants to ask you are what are some strange things that you've seen? Oh my gosh. I think the one that I I still have flashbacks on. <laughs> I went on a roof and there was this chimney. And when I look down, now I'm arachnophobic, I'll have you know that. I'm flashing my flashlight down and expecting something scary because it was one of my first houses. I look down the chimney, and there are eyes looking back at me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I immediately jumped back, and I had to see what was wrong, what, what was there, you know? It was, mm-hmm. like, so scary. I looked down. There was a raccoon oh. with its baby in the chimney. Oh. It was. <laughs> but I thought the thing was going to be, like, a tiger that was going to jump out at me or something. Of course. You don't expect eyes to come look at you. No, but I wouldn't expect that either. Yes, I, I saw that. Um, and... What happened is there was a tree that was very close to the mm-hmm. house. That's why we don't want you know vegetation contacting the home. And the raccoon came up and I guess it either tried to get in or fell into the chimney. And it had a baby, so we had to call animal control to come get the baby. <laughs> then yeah, it was a whole story. But every time I see a chimney, I still have flashbacks. flashbacks is there going to be eyes looking back at me? <laughs> that has been really strange. <laughs> yeah, that one would scare me. Yes. What about um, maybe interesting fixes that homeowners have done? Yes. Um, so some homeowners know that uh, wiring on the outside of the house needs to be enclosed in conduit. Mm-hmm. I found one probably, if you stretch it out, it was probably two feet long, but it had about three or four angles it was an outlet, and it had all kinds of elbows with conduit. It looked like an erector set. <laughs> it was so funny. So, of course, I took a picture. You can find it on my Instagram. <laughs> it was a while back. So, And then I also saw a double uh, sink that mm-hmm. had two faucets, one on each side oh. of the sink. So that was strange. And you know what? They both worked well. Nothing leaked. They were both correctly plumbed. So there's no... 
there's nothing actually wrong with it. Just a little off. If it's just too like this is this could be romantic, you know, husband and wife <laughs> doing dishes at the same time. There you go. It was strange, but it wasn't wrong. So that's where. Okay, I mean that's honestly another yeah. good point. Just because something is strange or off doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it is wrong or done incorrectly. Right. So. so another point is that I cannot check things for how pretty or ugly they are, you know, because I have gone into 70s homes that have a green toilet. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to write that up just because it's green and you want it changed. Right. So, yeah, things like that um, that are strange. Some things are really cool, but um, yeah. Well, I would say definitely follow you on Instagram because she <laughs> always posts pictures from her inspections and there's always some interesting things on there. For so. sure. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Celia. I really appreciate it and all of the information you've provided to us and our listeners. Thank you, Jill. Um, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a lot of fun. Thanks. And for anybody looking to uh, get a hold of Celia or if you have questions for her, if you would just take a look below, we will have a link to her contact information and website. Hey, thank you for listening and watching the Nitty Gritty Podcast here with the Tom J. Krieger team. If you are thinking about buying a home, selling a home, or even investing in real estate, please reach out to us. We are local here in Tucson, Arizona, but we are also connected to over 4,000 agents across the U.S. So again, looking to buy, sell, or invest in your hometown, reach out to us and let us connect you.